So we just started classes, and uh, I have a new record for the amount of time that it took for me to get a professor to flick me off. One day. <laughs> it took me about um, 10 minutes into this class. Um, this is my algorithms and computability class, and uh, our professor was asking us, you know, about kind of what, what things we already knew about that we were going to be talking about. And, you know, do you guys know sets? Yeah, we know set theory. You know, do you, do you know counting? You know, and I'm like, well, who has two thumbs and can count? And he just goes, he, he gets this really confused look on his face. He's like, who? And I'm like, this guy. And he just goes, I have one thing to say to that. Flicks me off. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is 8-Bit, episode 43, Jamaican, Minnesota, on Saturday, August 31st, 2013. And now, with no Sharknados. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker, with guest Brian Mitchell. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite professors. There's, um, at Gustavus, there's a philosophy professor by the name of Doug Huff, who the more he makes fun of you, the more, the more he likes you. I don't think I've gotten flicked off by him, but... He's made it known that one of his favorite greetings is to be flicked off. So whenever I walk by him and there's no <laughs> other professors by him, I just go, Hi, Dr. Huff! Flipping one. Is he the one who you were bantering with on Facebook? Uh, no, that was Dr. Wright. That's the jazz guy. Oh, right, yeah. Because you were talking about music. I I like a lot of my professors at this day, so I got kind of lucky. And you start classes next week? Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay, cool. Well, we started on Wednesday. And how are your classes going, Brian? They're going well. I had nothing on Thursday, so I've only had two days of classes, which is nice. Oh, nice. Only taking three this semester, because two of them are five credits, so the later. So you're on, what, like 14 credits? 14, yeah. Okay. So you got data structures, that's a five credit. Top two, five credit, and oh, Gen Chem one. Okay. Credit. So, they're all in the morning, so I'm done at 12.50, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Interesting. And noon, Tuesday, and 11 on Thursday. Yeah, I've got, I've got this nice solid block of classes from 10.30 in the morning until 3.20 in the afternoon on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I was initially concerned about how I was going to get enough food to eat, but I figured out that if I just go and eat like a tiny lunch at 10.15 and then I eat another tiny lunch at, you know, 3.20, I survive and it's fine. And it's a really good thing that I went with the unlimited meal plan again. Yeah. yeah. So that fourth meal thing from Taco Bell is now a thing with you. Sure. What? Sorry, Taco Bell has this whole thing that they're going on about um, they're open late, so instead of calling it dinner, supper, anything like that, um, they, they've, they're calling it fourth meal at like midnight or something like that. It's basically a midnight snack is all that they're advertising. But Okay. But now you have four meals, or you have lunch part one and lunch part two. It's like The Hobbit, but not quite. Yeah, exactly. I have heard that it's better for you to eat lots of small meals over the course of your day instead of three large ones. Yeah. But, you know. So, Brian, this is the first time that you've been on our show. You've been on other shows on the network. I've done Apple specials, yes. Yeah, for some reason, we don't talk about Apple very often on this show. It's not for some reason. I can't imagine why. I know. Who would hate (laughs) Apple? I don't know. Who's a little elitist? I don't know. Yeah, you, you should probably stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Go away, ghost. Go away. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the only one here who doesn't own any Apple products, and you're the one who's hating on that. Shh. Quiet. Yeah, I've never owned an Apple product, ever. 
<laughs> I've also never owned a video game console, but here I am. There's <laughs> <laughs> PC. Yeah, pretty much. Huh. Yeah, and Android now. Yeah. Um, so since you're a first-time guest, uh, we have this very, very long, very arduous interview, and we will ask of you many, many questions. So Be first prepared. question, how did you get into video games? Uh, I had a neighbor down the street who had a PlayStation 2, and this was probably third grade. So I saved up and bought one myself. Nice. And so we kind of traded games, and I played SSX3 all the time. Still my favorite game on the PlayStation 2. And we played Hot Wheels Velocity X. So pretty much him. They were down the street. Nice. And then I got a Nintendo DS in, I think, sixth grade. I remember, or fifth, something like that. That's the way to go. And so we played with some friends I met at school. We'd have LAN parties where we'd all have our DSs sitting in the basement playing, like, Mario Kart or something. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then later on... In junior high more, I hung out with a friend, and I just watched him play Age of Mythology. I wouldn't play, I'd just watch him. And uh, Please tell me that you, like, you know, sassed him and told him what to do all the time. Kind of. I don't know. I was, it was interesting. I learned how to play the game that way, so that's good. <laughs> he, was always, he was always better, but actually, I'm, I may be better than him now. So, actually, Oliver Alexander Adams, you all know him? Oh, yeah, of course. That's who, yeah, Oliver. Hung out with him, actually, last week. Really? He's been gone all summer. Mm-hmm. Off in Massachusetts, building a house. Yeah. Ooh, storm sirens. That's cool. I didn't know they had them in Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Yeah. Open the window. Wait, there's storm sirens. We should probably shouldn't open the window. No, that's it. That's all the reason to open it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ian. What's our next question? All right. What is your favorite video game genre? Uh. Well. Currently, I don't really play games too much. I play Minecraft and Age of Empires 3 and Mythology. So I guess RTS or what is Minecraft? Sandbox? Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, I guess that's it. Hmm. Whoa! We'll be talking about some really cool sandbox games a little bit later in the show, so keep your ear out for that. I will. Guys, the trees are moving. And it's really, you can't see too far because there's, I'm pulling up our radar right now. Oh my goodness. It's kind of insane. It, it looks like a very, very heavy fog, but I can tell that it's just rain. <laughs> it is not a Sharknado. <laughs> How about a shark lanch And now there, there are speakers outside with a whole campus. Oh, this is fun. Let's open the window. I want to hear this. Oh, it stopped. Oh, well. Welcome to 8-Bit, where we risk our lives to bring you gaming news. You guys have air conditioning. Instead of uh, instead of sharks, I hope that this tornado throws video games at us. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. Watch the lo- so, the all be crappy ones. It'll all be copies of I'd know that <laughs> that Bratz game for the GameCube or something like that. Oh, or Battletoads. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm actually looking at the cell right now. You guys are in the middle of the orange part, but that should pass over relatively just, soon. I hope we're just at the edge of it. So, if the tornado were to start throwing games at us, what game would you want it to throw at us, Brian? A.K.A. <laughs> what is your favorite game of all time? I like your segue. I love my segue. Uh, <laughs> well, I haven't really played a game I really love that I don't own because I don't. I don't play. Well, no, that's that's fine. But oh. what's your favorite game of all time? <laughs> I don't know. A three-way tie between four-way tie between SSX3 for the PS2, Age of Mythology. 
vampires and Minecraft. That's, that's about the, the ones that you've mentioned already. Yeah, the ones I play. I don't I don't branch out too much. I don't know. I played Rayman on the, my DSi mm. a bit, and I have New Super Mario Brothers two on my 3DS. I have a lot of handheld stuff, but I don't really use them too much. Ooh, speaking but of, there, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and finish what you're saying. I'll ask my question at the end. I have I have Mario Kart seven, New Super Mario Bros two, and Tetris for my 3DS. So. I, I remember playing Tetris on my graphing calculator <laughs> in junior high. I am a boss at that. Yeah. <laughs> I love Tetris. And the amazing thing was they actually had competitive play. Like, you could hook it up to another graphing calculator yeah. and versus somebody. Graphing calculator gaming is actually pretty pretty cool. Yeah. For all the bored high school students and, and you college could play, like, students. Bomberman, four-player Bomberman. Yes. Yeah. We had to have a TI-84, so you could have USB and the... TA-83 connector cable. <laughs> oh, well... Daisy chain them all together. But you you could do uh, two-player on one device, so I bet you could do four-player on two devices okay. with yeah. two people using each one. Yeah, that's right. Two people awkwardly holding one. <laughs> Would it be one of those skits where you have someone standing behind the other one and then have their arms through their armpits so it looks like either they have four hands... Or the two hands are behind their back. The one that we were planning on doing this summer, where I was going to be talking about my day that I was making up, and then you were going to just do everything with the hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what I was going to ask, actually, was, are you as pumped for the Wind Waker remake that's coming out to the 3DS as I am? I haven't heard of it. <sighs> well, there's a Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. I think I've, it's called the HD version. I've you know? never played a Zelda game. Really? Also, not I don't I'm not a Pokemon person either. Like I have Nintendo stuff, but I don't. I feel like I'm not a I'm not a good gamer when it comes to <laughs> what I like. And There's no such thing as a bad gamer. Way we're touched on the unless you're a COD player. DS is good. I, I don't play it. No, I'm bad at those games. Wasn't it one of your friends who we had come in for the uh, Call of Duty review last year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Never yeah. said he was a good gamer. He's a wonderful person, but I never said he was a good gamer. <laughs> Love Hayden. Anyway, so on to our next and final question. Um, this one you can choose to answer, either one or the other question. Possibly both, if, should you really want. What is the game that you hate the most, or what game do you regret buying the most? Okay, the game I regret buying the most is a Crash Bandicoot party game for the Nintendo DS. I saw an ad in, in Nintendo Power. And me and my friend were really into Crash Bash at this time on the PS1. Yeah. Even though it was like 2005. Um, and I saw this ad, and I convinced him we both bought it. It was like $25 each because it was a bad game, and they were just trying to sell what they could. <laughs> and so we got it, and it was the worst like Mario Party ripoff ever with Crash characters. <laughs> I'm so, surprised that they had that on a Nintendo system. Yeah. Um, because typically it, it was on PlayStation. Uh, well, they're starting to get more and more crossovers. Think about Brawl and what's been being released on Brawl. True, but you know, then there's Sony doing oh, yeah. their own thing with um, All Stars, blah blah blah. It's yeah. called Crash Boom Bang. <laughs> Actually, Dolphin has that um, Sony All Stars Battle Royale. Oh, of course he does. I never got the chance to, or I never bothered playing it. Um, but I think he well, said yeah, that he enjoyed it. Because we couldn't hook up the uh, PS3 to that old TV in the staff lounge anyway. Well, no, I mean, like, I went over to his house and hung out with him at his house for a day. Oh. Sorry, the there's a on cat on the floor are... that's saying, pet me. <laughs> um, anyway. Cool. So, yeah, that's um, this is Brian Mitchell. He's a pretty cool guy. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. On to our headlines. 
Um, so we finally know when the PS4 is being released. It's coming out on November 15th, for sure. And what the Xbox One release date hasn't officially been announced, but everybody assumes that it's going to be coming out a week earlier on November 8th. Hmm. Could be interesting. Could, could be. Could be interesting. <laughs> That's the most generic, bland thing you could have said about it. <laughs> what happened with the PS3 and 360? Well, I am Minnesotan. Bland is my thing. Uh, so the the 360 came out a year before the PS3. Okay. So, but yeah. wasn't there something more like someone? Whoa! Wow! That sounded like a gunshot. Yeah. Mm, that was a cattail. That was a... no, no. That was thunder. Oh, that was a cattail. See. But um, kidding. Wasn't there something where someone announced something the day another one was released and didn't get coverage? Oh no, that was um. I think that was like the Sega Genesis that they announced. They they said that it was coming out in like November or whatever for the holiday season. And then at E3 that year, they were just like, hey, surprise, it's coming out, and we're sending it to all of the retailers right now, and it's coming out today, and nobody had made games for it yet. <laughs> like, they didn't even tell the developers that they were coming out with wow. it. Well, that seems kind of silly. It kind of killed them. Yeah. I mean, it was a great, um, great system. I remember playing... I remember playing it a few years ago when I was hanging out with Matt, and the graphics on it were just as good as some of the video games that you were finding on some of the more recent consoles today. So it was a wonderful console, just dumb marketing strategy on Sega's part. Yeah, well, that's like half of the game right there. Yeah, is marketing. Yeah, no, but that'll that'll be fun and kind of interesting to see what what happens with the sales and the battle royale between those two big companies. Anyway, so. As the writers of PC Gamer put it, Final Fantasy XIV has become a victim of its own success. Following in the lines of many successful MMORPGs before it, the game had such, such success in its launch that it crashed the game's servers, forcing Square Enix to halt sales until the issue has been resolved. It seems like we can never come out with a uh, you know online game without it having server issues to begin with. Well, at least not initially. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, so, know, I don't think Spiral Knights has any, any issues. But that, I don't even remember when that released. It was it was just kind of not there, and then it was there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there was no hoopla about it. It was just kind of like, oh, look, there's that free-to-play game on Steam now. I guess I'll go try it out, because Elliot's been playing it. Oh, it's boring. Yep. So only the ones that are actually worth playing crash in the first few weeks. Yeah. No, but, you know. <laughs> that's, that's how you know. So, Beyond Two Souls is not going to have any server issues, I bet, because it's a single-player game. But Don't the developers it. are aware that many gamers play with other people who uh, are typically non-gamers watching and influencing their in-game decisions. And they want to encourage these people who are watching to participate more. So, like, they're, they're planning on starting a, a, a controller on smartphones kind of thing where they can influence the game while they're just sitting back there chilling and watching their friend play. Um, sounds interesting. I'm not really convinced that it'll work very well because they, they said that, you know, they're targeting, like, what if grandma's watching you play? Well, what if grandma doesn't have a smartphone, which is pretty typical of grandmas, I think. Yeah. You know? Even my grandma so, who's tech savvy or tech savvy doesn't have one. Yeah. Um so yeah, that'll be an interesting experiment. I think it could go it could end up turning out really well, honestly. Well Yeah, I, I kind of like um the watchdogs idea with for mobile better. Yeah. Because that's that's um 
you know, other watchdog players affecting your world instead of just people who are sitting on the couch behind you. Yeah. And actually, it reminds me a little bit, um, there was a few years ago, for the GameCube, there was this thing that let you take your um, uh, Game Boy Advance and hook it up to the GameCube, and there were certain games that were partnered with other games, like there was a uh, Metroid game that was on Game Boy Advance, and then the Metroid Prime game on on um, on GameCube, and the person who was on the Game Boy Advance could act sort of like a second screen and a map and help actually with the um with what was going on well but then it's still a game system that you're using which is what they're trying to get around they're trying to not use a game system as the controller because they want it to be familiar for non-gamers i suppose i was thinking it was similar but in the I, i'm literally was... quoting from the uh from the article right now <laughs> okay yeah fine i was just thinking it's similar in that it's another smaller device that has control and influence over what's going on on with the bigger game anyway so, remember how the Steam Cloud didn't used to be a thing? Yeah, it kind of sucked when it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I kind of suffered from that. Uh, like when I built Skuja, um, the inability of me to be able to transfer the save files um, killed my chances of having the game that I had worked I had a hard time and continuing on to the sequel. Have you um, ever heard of a thumb drive? Yes. Just saying. <laughs> yes, but the thing is, is, I mean, I've transferred my entire library over onto my new desktop. But one of the problems that I'm continually facing um, is whenever I try and start up a game that it says it has all the data for, I double-click and it says that it's missing the executable file. And so I have to go and delete all of that data well, and re-download the whole problem. thing. <laughs> just, just a little one. Anyway, um, but so with that whole Dragon Age Inquisition thing and all, all, all of BioWare's things about making your story your story... Um, EA and Bioware have come up with a solution to the problem, um, something called Dragon Age Keep, which to my understanding will allow you to upload your saves and access them from there. And if that, and if that isn't an option, like if you didn't play the game beforehand or if you're like me and you don't necessarily have those save files, you can construct basically a save file with all the different decisions that you would have made. Um, so that you can still play in your world that was affected by your decisions. Yeah, I remember them having a, a similar thing in Mass Effect, the later Mass Effect games, where they had like a, a kind of a comic book playing at the beginning of the game, and you got to choose the major, major decisions that you would have made in the previous games. Major, major. Major, major. So, do you remember how the D, the Daisy Alpha was going to release this summer? Kind of? Yeah, it was, it was definitely scheduled for June, and it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> And apparently, it it isn't coming out anytime soon at all. The and the only thing that's holding the game back is the core network architecture, which is kind of important for a multiplayer game. So they say that they're not sure when they're going to be releasing it, but uh, it's it's you know a to be determined release date at this point. Bummer. Wouldn't you think that they'd foresee that? I mean, it's it's one of those core things that you that that would be on the big checklist. Yeah, and, and apparently it's the kind of thing that they can't just throw more people at it. Like, all of the other developers are kind of twiddling their thumbs while two guys work on this. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, hopefully soon. In the meantime, ArenaNet is celebrating the one-year anniversary of the release of Guild Wars 2. According to some of the stats on the website, in its first year, the MMO sold over 3.5 million copies, making it the fastest-selling MMO in history. Personally, That's impressive. I, yeah. 
Um, and then something that they were talking about on that article as well, and this was from the Guild Wars 2 website directly, is how over the past year they've also been working on um, having more player inclusion, sort of like what you do in a Bioware game, but on a mass massive massive scale so instead of just one person's decisions it's the decisions of the community actually affect how the um the different content that's going to be released comes out and what it's going to include and why not so like one of the things that it was talking about was there was a decision um for let's see uh cutthroat politics was what this was called and i think you were trying to um I don't know the whole thing of it, but it looked like there was some election where the players had to choose between either this looks like a human named Keel or a char named Nashblade. Um, and Keel won that. And so they'll be developing stories with Keel, um, as the victor and like Nashblade as a loser. Maybe he'll want to go back and get revenge or something like that. I'm not exactly sure, but it had, uh, according to the whole banner thing, it had 8,600,000 votes. And then, and then it also includes just a little blurb. That's more votes than the Czech Republic cast in their 2012 presidential election. Cool beans, ArenaNet. <laughs> <laughs> you have more people than the Czech Republic. How does that make you feel? I hope it makes them feel really special. It's nice. It's my friend. You know who else is special? Me. The Chinese room. So the Chinese room were the makers of Dear Esther. You remember Dear Esther? Yes, of course. Yeah. And uh, they also made the upcoming Amnesia, a machine for pigs. <laughs> and now, apparently, they're working on a post-apocalyptic game called Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. And it's going to be a PS4 exclusive, according to the studio, because they didn't have enough money to make the game on their own. But they are uh, anticipating making more PC games in the future. Hmm. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that they've come out with so far seems like it's been really good, really, really story-based, which I like. At the same time, just kind of like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, games. Dear Esther wasn't like a game game per se. It was a walk around and get this narrative. Yeah, it told to you. It was a story. It was really good, mm-hmm. really good story. Mm-hmm. Interesting story. I still don't exactly know what was going on with it. <laughs> anyway, so, I remember being really sad at the end. Yes, I do remember that too. But. Moving on to something else that makes absolutely no sense, and instead of being sad, is rolling on the floor laughing because what the hell. Um, Saints Row 4, true to form, has released a couple of small DLCs that make everything in the game seem even more silly. Um, for those in the, upper, uh, in the upper echelons of society, the player can now wear either a grotesque Obama or George W. Bush mask. And for those of you with too many cousins named Daryl, you can buy the other pack, which sports everything from Daisy Dukes to overalls. Um, and of course, it's not just costumes, though. Those what though those do make the game silly. You also get um bunch of weapons in each pack, from double-barreled shotgun to apparently a plunger gun. I still don't see how they're going to top the dubstep gun, though, <laughs> because that's just ludicrous. That was that an actual gun, or is that it's a gun of the game? Yeah. Wow. So have you seen that YouTube video, Corridor Digital and Mike Diva? Dubstep guns? Nope. Okay. No. It's pretty good. But but yeah, in the game, so you know how in a lot of games you have to like charge up your gun before you can shoot it? Yeah. The charging up is like the beginning of the dubstep song, and then it drops the bass, and boom, that's like... That's funny. The <laughs> last. I want to see that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get this game just for the shits and giggles that it has. 
I think I would find it to be one of my favorite games if I ever picked it up and started playing, just because of the absolute absurdity that it includes. Have you played any of the other ones? No, but admittedly, the prospect of running around and smacking people with a giant purple dildo does sound amusing. And you are the kind of person who would enjoy doing that. Yes. Gamers. You know it. So the kind of game that I enjoy, actually one of my favorite genres that I've only gotten to play one game in, is the Space Simulator. And the only game that I've played in that genre was, was Freelancer, and it was, it was amazing. I loved that game, but it's really old now, and I you know, can't really play it anymore. Just like me. And, but the genre is going to be revived by Starter Citizen, um, and of course that was the game that got kickstarted a, a while ago, and Andrew Bailey is really super excited for it. Well, we have the first little bit of, uh, of reward for the backers. They've released what, what they're calling the hangar, um, which is just, you know, a, an in-game hangar. So you can go and create your character, and then you can walk around the hangar and look at the, the ship that you have, but you can't fly it anywhere. You can't, you can't get it and fly it. You just kind of walk around and look at the hangar. Hmm. So, yeah. From now. For now. For yeah. now. I think the, the game isn't supposed to be released until sometime in 2014, so. So they've got some time, but, yeah. All right. So, remember, Brian, when I was talking about sandbox games? Yes. Um, there's one that's coming out kind of soon that's called Contraption Maker. It's, okay, it's not exactly a sandbox game, um, but it seems to me like the sort of game that I would get for anyone who likes to tinker. So, it's one that I'm actually considering Galen, or getting for Galen, my little brother, um, the early access thing. The game revolves around making Rube Goldberg-like, Rube Goldberg-like machines in order to solve various puzzles. Um, and, it's, you know, though, everyone knows what a Rube Goldberg machine, yes? Nope. Tell are? me. I do. Okay, so. I spent too much time on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> what a Rube Goldberg machine is, is it, you start off in a chain of events. You usually start with like pushing over a domino or a marble or something like that. And then it goes through these various little things, um, that move that marble from one place to the next, transferring that kinetic energy, um, until the final end product is you pop a balloon. Basically, the end, the whole thing is you try and um, make the most complex way to pop a balloon. Uh, when you're talking about the next one, I can pull up a YouTube video and throw it up on the show notes for you guys. With I believe it was um, uh, OK Go doing a video with the Rube Goldberg machine in it. A that huge video Rube was Goldberg machine. ridiculous. It was supposedly all done in one shot too. So. Hmm. So we'll have to see, but I will, I'll definitely throw that up there and that'll be kind of interesting to, to look at. Um, but for now, if you guys act quick, um, you can play around with this thing for only 10 bucks. It's been put into Steam early access. So get it, get it quick and tinker away, my friends. Cool. So an expansion for XCOM Enemy Unknown has been announced. By the way, I still haven't played that game. <laughs> you got, didn't you get me that for my birthday last uh, year? Well, Yes, I think so. I don't remember if I got you that, and then you got a couple of copies of something else with it, or if I got you something that included that as one of the copies. But uh, I th- oh, you're right. It may have been no. Yes, it oh, it was because you got me Bioshock Infinite. I think that I got it. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so they there's a new expansion coming out called Enemy Within. And it's bringing two new types of soldiers for you to research, mechs and genetic mutations, as well as, you know, obviously a bunch of other content like maps and weapons and stuff. Um, And there are also some Easter eggs that are tying it into the Bureau, which is the XCOM third-person shooter game that just came out um, last week. 
And so this expansion will be coming on November 12th to PC and Mac for $30 and to the PS3 and 360 for $40. Hmm. That'll be interesting. Though... And they have some pretty sweet-looking um, trailers out for it. Mechs punching other mechs off of the map is uh, a sight to behold. <laughs> Done. Done deal. All right, so we here at 8-Bit, especially me anyway, love indie games. Um, so we'll also have to find a way to celebrate as Steam Greenlight celebrates its one-year anniversary. And what they're doing to celebrate that is they are putting 50 different games that have passed through Greenlight or uh, passed through Greenlight up for sale. And um, you can get them, some of them up to 75% off, apparently. Um, so, I mean, just add that to one of my favorite things about Steam that I love. They support micro-entrepreneurs everywhere. And, I mean, huge-ass sales. What's not to love? Well, what's not to love for me is that I've gotten pretty much all of the ones that I wanted through the Humble Bundles over the course of the last year. And the only two that I don't have, you know, yet are only 20% off during this sale. Cry some more. No, I'll just wait until, like, you know, the winter sale or something when they're more off. One of their, like, once-a-week sales. Yeah. <laughs> they seem to have sales. The, the Humble Bundle or the, the Steam? Steam. Yeah. Oh, speaking of hilarious sales, actually, yesterday I noticed that Aliens Colonial Marines, that terrible, terrible game that came out in January, uh, was $5 now. And so I, I sent uh, Sam a message telling him that it was $5 and making fun of him for buying it at launch because he was the one who reviewed it for us. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he paid full price for it. Oh, my goodness, I'm the next one. Hey, yes, I'm you are. Here waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so Microsoft points are officially dead. An update for the 360 is converting all of your existing Microsoft points into real money. Yay, good riddance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yay. All right. So, also, actually, speaking of that, um, the Humble Bundle, um, we got finally got in the results from the Origin Humble Bundle, um, the ones that we talked about in our big comeback show last time, which I did yes. wipe off the face. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, to make everyone who got a bunch of good games for cheap dance even more, the Humble Bundle announced that it had a grand total of just shy of $10.5 million, all of which, as we said, EA was giving to charities. Hell yeah, well, the video game community. We can be idiots and assholes sometimes, but we do get stuff right once in a while. I think um, I think the ten and a half million dollars was the total, yeah. and then the because um, there's also a portion that goes to the humble uh, people themselves. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, none of it went to EA. Yeah, good guy EA. So Fine. over the last year, we've had some pretty good games come out. I think. Um, and the, joy the Golden Joystick Awards lets us, the gamers, choose the games that we think deserve the awards. And voting just opened this week. So head on over there and uh, vote for your favorite games. Because, you know, if, they're favorite, if your favorite games, then they deserve to get awards, right? Mm-hmm. I'll have to make sure I do that when I get back to campus. Or maybe while I'm sitting here and we're doing the fringe. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. All right. So... Um, one of the bigger games that's been talked about a lot, uh, Minecraft, uh, version 1.7 has been announced, and the biggest update will actually be to Terrain, along with three new biomes being released, which are the Redwood Forest, a Rocky Cliff, and the Canyon. The way that the terrain will be generated will change dramatically. 
One of the biggest changes is that biomes are now being grouped into four different subcategories. Snowy, cold, medium, and dry slash warm. And now we'll have more logical transitions from one biome to the next, eradicating the silliness of having deserts next to snowy forests. And actually, if you look on the link, um, it had a map down towards the bottom of that um, where it was like, okay, this is how it looks now, and this is how it will look after 1.7. And... And it's kind of complex. It's like, whoa, what's going on? But there's a lot less oceans, which I'm happy about. Yeah. And I I saw a post on Reddit about this on the Minecraft subreddit that said uh, that 1.7 is the Minnesota update because of now there's (laughs) they shrunk the oceans so much and they had islands in them, so it was just like one giant continent was just lakes all over. But I think uh, Jeb, who's Jeb, I don't know his last name. One of the developers, he's saying uh, they're making the oceans a little bigger than the initial release that they did for the press conferences, I think. Okay. But uh, I know there's also going to be a sunflower block that will always face, oh gosh, one direction that sunflowers always face. Towards the sun? Towards the sun, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I think that's what sunflowers do, right? They follow the sun as it goes across the sky. Supposedly. But in the Minecraft, it'll always face east or whichever direction it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, uh, the, the land of 10,000 lakes has come to Minecraft. <laughs> Did you just talk about Minnesota in a Jamaican accent? <laughs> Was that Jamaican? I sounded like, the land of 10,000 lakes, yeah, man. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. <laughs> well, you know all the island workers up here, man. We got to be putting them up in the lakes, all the way up north. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. So I don't know how I'm going to segue from this one, but I'll just go for it. <laughs> Do you guys ever get disillusioned with the the grind of modern life? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Sometimes, especially when uh, you know I have to deal with money problems because I don't want to have to deal with money problems. I don't want now. Um, so there's a game that uh, I just found out about. It's called There Are Always Sometimes Monsters, and it probably won't make you feel any better about modern life because it's a game that is set in uh, a situation where, you know, your character doesn't have enough money and you're, you're trying to make ends meet and, uh, you know, paying rent, and it's, it's all about just depressing things that happen to people and, you know, life happening. Sounds like fun. Yeah. That's fun. Uh-huh. I want to think about that. I'm not in the real life yet. I'm still in college. <laughs> well, I think I'll just keep on, you know, putting myself in fantasy worlds, just like these guys. So another testament as to how awesome fanbase creations can be. A new live-action video portraying the history of Lee Sin from the League of Legends. Um, uh as he becomes locked in a battle with Katarina, who's this assassin lady, lots of knives everywhere, stab, stab, um, has been produced for your viewing pleasure. Right. Sorry. Well put. <laughs> <laughs> Brain jumble there? I think so. Putting show notes together at two in the morning after a couple drinks? I think so. Yeah, why did you wait until the night before the show to do that? To do show notes? Yeah. Because I was busy with other things? You weren't even in school. Yeah, but I still had plans that I was doing. I suppose. So, do you remember um, that game about that cube 
the thing. Portal? Not, oh, never mind. Um, so, Goddess, uh, which is the upcoming game from Peter Molyneux, is, uh, we've gotten our first glimpse of it. The trailer that they released starts off showing uh, how you can shape the landscape around your village, because this is, of course, a god game, and, you know, help your uh, followers thrive. And then, abruptly, it starts, uh, he just kind of starts a war with a rival god, and there's fire and brimstone falling from the sky, and everybody's fighting each other. And uh, it it, it was rather humorous, the abrupt change. But um, this game will have a beta releasing through Steam on uh, September 13th, and I'm looking forward to it. And the reason that I was bringing up that other game was because the, the reward for the guy who was the one who, uh, who solved the game um, first, he gets to be like in charge of the game world in Goddess. So he'll get to make laws and stuff for the rest of the players. Oh. Yeah. So this will be interesting. Yeah. Also, apparently, the the size of the world that everybody is going to be um, using is the size of Jupiter. And his reasoning behind that was because he was like, well, Notch made Minecraft the size of Neptune, so I had to make this one the size of Jupiter. Clearly, indie developers one-upping each other. (laughs) Holy flaming balls of Bethesda, Batman. I think I may have broken Ian's brain. (laughs) Video games are weird things. You're telling me. And I like the absurd ones too, but the the I do like the creativity that they do and that they give. Like the guy who made a computer in Minecraft, Yo Dog. I heard you like computers. Um. Anyway, so um. Well, well, we're waiting for that because that is still just a couple weeks away. Um. We can reminisce about how fall is just around the corner. So school's starting up, leaves are beginning to change, cider is being sipped around a campfire, and people are running through a zombie's head. What? Yeah. Um, out in Oregon, a corn maze made in the shape of a zombie's head from the beloved Plans vs. Zombies series. Um, oh, man. Yeah, it, it it comes with some pictures. It looks kind of interesting. I I haven't been to a corn maze in forever, but if I could go to one, I'd probably go to that one. I so, kind of like it how their video starts off with a guy dressed up as one of the zombies just standing in the middle of a cornfield, and then it slowly zooms out until you can see the entire corn maze, and it's a zombie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that def- that definitely does look like zombie wearing a hat. Mm-hmm. He gonna get in your head. Wow, getting his. It's not chipped. Go away, go away, ghost. So, Brian, you like Apple products, right? Yeah, I do. And you got this nice big MacBook Pro. That, that that's the biggest model, isn't it? That they make. They that, did make things in niche, but yeah, that's enormous with Retina display. So it's got performance issues sometimes. Anyway. So I hear that SimCity recently came out for Mac. Yeah, it was in, uh, released, what, yesterday, was it? What is today's the third? Yeah, uh, two days ago. Yeah. Two days ago. Yeah, there were some issues. Uh, I think people had to reinstall Origin. I saw some tweets, you know, several times, you know, three times, and then it worked. But apparently they're all fixed. Electronic Arts says that all issues have been resolved. Which is much, much quicker than they resolved all of the initial launch issues back in March or whatever. Yeah. Do people do people play that on Windows still? Um, yeah, I would assume so. I, don't I mean, I, I didn't buy it, but, uh, you know, hearing about the, the fiasco of, of... That took weeks, didn't it? And that was, all, that was all mostly, like, server issues, like people not being able to log in and... And then there was no offline mode. Yeah, of course not, because it's EA and it's SimCity. And like, clearly SimCity yeah, right. has to be online. Yeah. Of course. Well, maybe I'll play it one of these 
years. Maybe. I played SimCity 2000. Just don't wait until they sh- shut off all the servers, because <laughs> then you won't be able to play it at all. Well, they'll probably no. do a patch. They'll probably do a patch to make it not require servers. I certainly hope patch. so. I'm just not going to bother playing it. I, I, I find the prospect of creating a character to live a different life in a fake city kind of no, silly. Sim, Sim City is where you are. You're the mayor. You're developing. Oh, you're the, the maker of the city. Derp. What and the if hell you want, thinking? you can have like fireballs or a volcano erupted onto the city, or tornadoes, <laughs> or earthquake. Or... You're you're thinking of The Sims. Yes. I, for I some reason, I was thinking of it was a Sims where everyone was a Sim in a city. Well, that's what The Sims is. That's Teen Village or whatever that stupid thing is. Second Life or whatever. Not I don't know. Never mind. No, I won't bother looking it up. <laughs> anyway. And now we have some Nintendo news from our official Nintendo correspondent, Sam Ra. So I'm here with our official Nintendo correspondent, Sam Ra. That's right. I got promoted. Yay! <laughs> from uh, one of our most frequent guests and uh, the only Nintendo promoter that we've really had on the show. The only one in the state, actually. (laughs) (laughs) He's so lonely. Yeah, I'm the last one. (laughs) There can be only one. (laughs) But yeah, I've been promoted to an official position on the show. I should be here on a weekly basis, and I still might guest star every once in a while if things go my way, until they eventually bring me on full-time to the show, and then then my plans of two and three years will have finally worked out. (laughs) Yeah, and that, I mean, that'll have to be after we actually get sponsors and stuff, which is after we get real amounts of, you know, listeners, which is never. We love all ten of you so much. (laughs) Bryce, I love you. Woo! (laughs) Oh, he's going to feel so special. I hope. He's one of the ten. The other nine will feel neglected. So what's going on in the the Nintendo sphere? Well, Nintendo has made... Changes. They've introduced a new kind of, a new iteration of one version of hardware, and they've reduced the price on the other version. Which do you want to hear about first? Uh, I like new stuff. Let's talk about new stuff. Okay. Nintendo has introduced a new version of the 3DS. Now, this version does not do 3D. So oh, ooh, let me guess, let me guess. 4D? Do they go into time? <laughs> fourth, time is the fourth dimension, right? Yes, time is the fourth or, dimension. Or, oh, what if they do a different sense, like touch or smell or something? Smell, it's got to be smell. Touch was the original DS. Oh, right. Mm. Well, this I meant like is... maybe textures or something. Oh, well, sadly, that's probably what they're saving for their next-gen handheld. <laughs> Nintendo has announced the 2DS. It is completely flat, like a tablet. It's got the two screens... And it's got all the buttons and everything, and it can run every single 3DS game, and it can run all the regular DS games, but it cannot display in 3D. Now, no 3DS games out there require 3D in order to be played. That's just an additional feature. A lot of people don't like it. I really like it, and I can actually notice the 3D, so this wouldn't be for me. Now, this thing is apparently built much tougher and sturdier than a regular 3DS. It doesn't have a hinge. Which doesn't... I mean, on the other hand... Having it be able to close is a good way to save your screens from being cracked while they're in your pocket. That's true, but most people who I see using a 3DS don't even use their pockets for it. Most people who I see using them just put it in a case, put it in their backpack or whatever. Mm. I suppose 3Ds, 3DSs are rather large, aren't they? Yeah, it's about the size of a Vita, the regular 3DS. So, I mean, that's kind of hard to fit in most people's pocket. I can do it. That's true. But anyway, um, this is mostly targeted towards a younger market. 
it because there's no possible 3D. You can completely disable 3D on a regular 3DS, but some parents still might not be comfortable with that. They'll be afraid their kids find a way to undo it. <laughs> and you, the 3D is apparently bad for young kids' eyes. So the 2DS has no option for 3D, making it safe for kids. And it comes in at an appealing price point, $129.99. 40 bucks cheaper than a regular 3DS. That's a full 3DS game. This will be launching October 12th, the same day as Pokemon X and Y. So, okay, that's a good move. Yeah, because I mean, you got to think, there are a lot of people here, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of the college who love Pokemon but would not want to buy a new system for it. Well, you can buy a 2DS with Pokemon for the same price as a regular 3DS, and you can get your experience. Or, I know there are a lot of fans of Atlas, the gaming company, who might like Shin Megami Tensei, but that might be the only game they think the point of the system, the only RPG. Well, they might consider picking up a 2DS just to play that one gaming. This is the cheapest... Um, a piece of hardware has launched since, unless it, one of the handhelds came in cheaper, which I don't think they did, this is going to be the cheapest since the N64 and before that. This is a very, very affordable system. Um, it's not really for the hardcore, and if you already have a 3DS, I really can't think of why you'd want to pick one up. But the way well, I, you wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> really think so. The, the best way I've come to describe it is, two of these is $260.00. A Vita or a 3DS XL is $200, and a next-gen system starts at $300. Right. So if you're considering for holidays for two grandkids or nephews or, you know, your kids, this is about the most affordable way you could get everyone their own system. And even if you've got a lower-income family looking to try to get a new system to replace an old one for the kids this holiday season to share, this would be something they could consider over a PlayStation 4 or Wii or an Xbox One because it's much, much cheaper. Right. So it'll find its market. Now, you said something about, um, you know, next-gen consoles starting at $300. Why, yes, I did. Beautiful segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nintendo has realized that the basic edition of the Wii U hasn't sold well. You could say about the whole Wii U, but the basic version, the white one with 8 gigabytes, has sold mm -hmm. very, very poorly, whereas the black one at least sold out initially. Nintendo is phasing that model out, and they are bringing the price of the premium Wii U down to that $300 launching. And that comes with the game, 32 gigabytes. And I think they still have a little promotion where if you download stuff, you basically get credit back equal to 10% of what you spent. So if you spent 120 bucks downloading games, you'll get back. I think that would actually be 10 bucks is the way they do it. It's not as intuitive as you think, but I think you get back a decent percentage of what you spend. So if you are a download-only person... Right. You, could, you could get some very noticeable benefits. But Nintendo has launched it. They're dropping the price of it. They're bringing this out. I think that hits in September. Mid-September is when the price drop will officially take place. Um, they've also announced a few new bundles to try and stir up a little bit of excitement. In Europe, they're bundling Lego City with it at that reduced price. I'm not sure if it comes with any collectibles, but it comes with the game. And the U.S., they're coming out with a bundle with The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD. Um, Wind Waker HD is a $50 game by itself, or you can pay $55 at GameStop to get one for a little Ganondorf figurine, which I guess that's cool <laughs> if you're a collectible. Um, this one comes with, you know, the special box art for the Wii U version. Yeah, that's nice, whatever. Um, it comes with a digital version of the Hyrule Historia, which is kind of an art book, a theory book, a background book on the Legend of Zelda in the making of. I own a physical copy of it. It's nice. So it comes with the digital version of that, and it comes with the download version of Wind Waker HD. It also comes with a few special markings on the gamepad, kind of like hieroglyphics or something, I guess you would call them. Um, which, you know, that seems kind of cool. In fact, if any of our ten of you are interested <laughs> in picking up a Wii U, if you guys get 
The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD bundle that comes out in mid September as well. That'll be for two ninety nine. I am going to trade my gamepad. Works fine. Otherwise, I'd have replaced it already. I am going to trade my gamepad and fifty dollars for your gamepad, the special one with the hieroglyphics and stuff. I'm going to. So you're getting a new Wii U for two hundred and fifty dollars with the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD. So that's just something to think about if anyone's interested. The cheapest you can get it. What a deal. Um, <laughs> I suppose in our closing notes on Nintendo today, we've got to say, now, why would anyone want a Wii U? Well, in addition to having a decent selection of games out so far, not a lot, but there's a handful there. A lot of them are multi-platform, though. Right. Nintendo has a lot of software that, from this month of August onward, has been coming out. They have a great version of Tom Clancy's um, Splinter Cell Blacklist out right now. Pikmin 3 is out right now. Upcoming next month, they've got the wonderful 101, September 15th. That's an action game by Platinum Games. Um, it's very unique. It, I enjoy it. There's a demo out for it, so if you get a Wii U, it's worth trying. Um, then in October, I can't remember exactly what the dates for a lot of these are, but I know that in November they have Super Mario 3D World coming out, um, a completely new Mario game. It looks good, four-player multiplayer. They've got Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze coming out the month after that. Um, other games that are coming out are like Sonic Lost World, the new Sonic game. And they do have a pretty good selection of third-party games, Call of Duty Ghosts, Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed 4, um, Batman Arkham Origins. And, of course, we'll be talking about a yeah. lot of these yeah. as we get closer to yeah. them. This is just, uh, if you're considering picking up a Wii U and you're not sure if you want to wait, maybe there won't be any games. Yeah, there's a good selection of games coming this year, so the Wind Waker Curbunder will most likely be limited edition. Um, if you're considering it, if it looks good to you, it's worth picking it up because there are quite a few games coming. Um, anything else about Nintendo you think of? Not that I can think of. Um, I can't either. I'll cover more games for 3DS and Wii U in further installments. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sam. So now for our main topic, I found this really, really interesting article from Polygon about their predictions for what will happen to the PS3, the 360, and the Wii over the next 30 years. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, obviously... Uh, you know, we've got the next the next console generation coming out this this uh, fall. The yeah. Wii U is already here, um, and so they they predict that for one thing, the Xbox One will take a price cut before the 2014 holiday season because the Xbox One is a hundred dollars more expensive than the PS4, and so they probably won't sell as well. And they're predicting that they'll that Microsoft will have to take a price cut on that. Yeah. Um, and consequently, Sony might do a price cut as well just to stay ahead of the game. Um, so the last Wii games will probably come out in 2015, and then the last 360 games will come out in 2016. And then here's an interesting one. They said that GameStop will probably shut down their physical stores in 2016 and continue selling, you know, um, their new consoles, new games um, through their website, and they'll also have a trade-in program similar to Amazon's through a web service. So it's like what happened to Blockbuster. Maybe. Or Wait. Circuit City. Does Blockbuster have a website version? I oh, think they... so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Interesting. They, it was sort of it was to made originally to compete with Netflix and everything that Netflix was doing. And now, mm-hmm. how did that work out for them? Well, I'm pretty sure they went bankrupt. Wouldn't be surprised. So, um, they predict that the last PS3 games will come out in 2018. I don't remember why they thought that um, Sony would be supporting the PS3 for much longer than the 360. But I think it had to do with historical data on, you know, the, the last two PlayStation generations yeah. that they continued uh, coming out with games. Yeah. 
Um, they think that Microsoft will shut down Xbox Live for the 360 on, in 2018, and then PSN will follow suit for the PS3 in uh, 2020. Then the ninth generation of consoles will likely come out uh, in 2021. Is this eighth gen that's coming out now? Uh, yes. Yeah. We're at the beginning of the eighth generation right now. Holy cow, I feel old. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know which generation was around when we were born. I've been around for eight generations. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, that's that's assuming that Nintendo doesn't come out with another one before everybody else. But, you know. Um, so prices for games for the PS3 and the 360 and the Wii will probably bottom out in 2026. So if you want to, uh, you know, play retro games at that point, that'll be when they're cheapest. Yeah. Um, 2043 is when they will start to become collectibles and you might be able to get a pretty penny for them. So that's 30 years away from now. Apparently, that's how long it takes for for the value of video games to go back up, you know, after after going down. Um, and they also think that the the price the like the collectible status of this generation probably won't be as high as previous generations because with previous generations nobody was thinking about making them into collectibles when they were first buying them, right? Yeah. But now everybody sees how much you know uh, people's SNES collections are worth. And so they're going to be keeping, you know, these mid-condition games around for a long time, trying to sell them off later, probably. Yeah. But disc-based games are, don't last that long. The cartridge is a safer option for long-term. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you keep them in their packaging, there's probably not an issue, right? And no, I know there's some consoles that inadvertently, excuse me, that inadvertently scratch the discs when you're playing them. Well, yeah, but we're talking about, like, mid-condition, like, still in there wrapping. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you want long-term digital storage, do a tape, because people use tapes still for storing digital content. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and people are going to pay you for this totally, uh, you know, legitimate copy of Gears of War or whatever on a tape. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, this is all, of course, assuming that the human race is still around and actually functioning as we do today. And that we made it through 2012. We, well, that's not what I'm talking about, really. I, the, the book that I've been reading, so I've been reading Dan Brown's new book, Inferno, which is centered all around Dante's Inferno. Okay. Um, and one of the main points in the book is talking about how human over, um, overpopulation um, and how just the human population itself is skyrocketing. Um, you remember those graphs that we did of the human population where basically it looks like a right angle. Yeah, for the past 10,000 years, it was hovering a little bit over, what, 5 million and then got up to maybe a billion. And then once the Industrial Revolution hit, it just skyrocketed. Um, and so the main guy in that book um, – well, not the main guy. The main – anyway, I'll just say that the main issue revolves around that whole issue and the possibility of the entire human population being wiped out because of our overpopulation. I don't. I doubt that we'll all be wiped out because of overpopulation, but uh, not you know, I wouldn't. Quite a few. I wouldn't put a crash past us. Yeah. As we know, though, these things are kind of self-rectifying um, problems. Yeah. And if the you know if the solution is a bunch of people dying, then that's the solution. <laughs> yeah. I just hope it's not me, but oh well. If it is, then let's just hope I go quickly and not too painfully. Sure. 
Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, looking at history and patterns in the past, <laughs> it looks like the entire society as we know it is coming kind of close to a collapse, but I don't know. Oh, oh, you mean like in relation to like the Roman collapse and Roman collapse, Egyptian collapse and the collapse of every single giant empire before where it, the main thing that happens right before the collapse is the, um, the distance between the wealthy and the poor in the society. Mm. Um, the distance between those two populations just grows farther and farther and farther apart until eventually something happens where it starts to even stuff out and then just people kind of come in from all sides and they're like, okay, we're taking this now. So, I don't know. All I know is I'll probably, there's a good chance we'll be around and living to see whatever, well, we'll definitely be around to see whatever happens and just depending on how long we're around. Anyway. And we'll still be reporting it as it happens right here on 8-Bit. <laughs> of course. So we've got a couple of games to review. Um, actually, the reason that uh, Brian's here is because he introduced me to this fun little game called Color Zen. Um, so let's do that one first, Brian. Okay. So this is a, this is a mobile game, right? Yep. Um, it's available on both iOS and Android. Um, which is fortunate because if you had told me about it and then I searched for you know it on the Android Play Store and it wasn't there, I would have just kind of blown you off. And yeah, I <laughs> had no idea that it was on Android as well. Apple had a in their Apple Store app. They've been trying to promote iPhone more, so they've been giving out free apps and songs and things. So this mm. is one of their free apps. It's normally a dollar on iOS. I think on Android it's free and it's an in-app purchase to yeah. be able to play more levels. Yeah, so you get like, I think it was just like five levels and then you have to buy the the full pack, um, which is fine because, you know, the, the standard pack is six chapters with 20 levels in each chapter, um, which is, you know, legitimate. Yeah, and I know there are extra expense or extra level packs you can buy yeah. for a dollar each as well. Um, so this game is a puzzle game, um, and it works by, so you've got like these colored shapes on the screen, and if you move two of them that are the same color together, then they will expand to fill the entire background of the screen, uh, as much as they can until they bump into the other shapes, right? Um, so it, it works like the, the fill tool on MS Paint, or, uh, the bucket tool if you're, if you're using, um, KidPix. You remember KidPix. Oh, of course. I don't know if I do. Oh, man. What? But I know it. I remember in elementary school, I used, uh, what was it? It was the, whatever Apple had for their uh, Apple Work. Their Apple Works? Is that it? Their, oh. Their, uh, learn how to childhood. <laughs> oh, sorry. Learn to childhood. <sighs> so the, the colors fill the background, and there's, there's a, a color around the border of each level, and you have to, by, to complete the level, you have to, have the entire screen only filled with that color. So you have to eliminate some colors and then try and fill in the entire background with it. Yep. So, for example, um, the second level has two squares. One of them's blue, one of them is pink, and uh, the border is blue. So in order to complete this, this puzzle, very, very simple puzzle because it's the second level, you have to move the pink square so it touches the pink one, and then it fills the entire thing with pink. And then you move the blue square to the blue circle, and it fills it all with blue. And if you do it in the other order, obviously you will have a screen that is filled with pink, but the border is blue, so you failed. You idiot. Second level. Yep, second level. We think better. <laughs> um, 
things obviously get a lot more complicated as they add more colors and uh, they start nesting the colors within each other um, and you have to do things in a particular order in order to solve it correctly. Um, and then they also add complexity by uh, introducing things like um, white shapes and the white shapes will um, so the white shapes will match up with anything so if you move for example uh, a blue shape onto a white one then everything will become blue or it'll fill up with blue um, and if you do you know a red shape with the, with the white one it'll fill up with red um, you can also have two white go together and make white oh yeah if yep. you want to eliminate all the white you can do that and I've heard tell that later on in the game there are black ones. He hasn't played. I've yeah. I've almost beaten through the fifth chapter of six. You're what three? Um, I I just finished with the second one, and I'm going to start on the third. Yeah. So there are black objects, circles, shapes that um that will just take away the color if you hit it. So there's a. Uh, a black border. I have a level here. I don't remember which one it is. So you can run one piece into the black, and it'll just take away the black as well as the other color you ran into it. But it does not expand to fill the rest of it. Yep. Yeah. Is it bad um, that with all this talking of black, the only thing that's going through my head is, dang it, I want to see and give Josh and Asika a hug. <laughs> We're not even talking about people. I know! What has my brain come to? My goodness. Um... And obviously, if you're confused by these descriptions of uh, these colors and shapes and everything... Which I'd expect you to be. Yeah. Go onto my my blog, um, and blag. The, there are pictures there that hopefully will help to explain it a little bit better, um, because, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I don't feel like talking that long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's one of those simple yet challenging games, and um, it, it looks really nice. It's it's all flat edges. I mean, there's no color, there's no gradient. Very minimalist. It's a, it's a minimalist, which is nice. And then music is and the sound effects are really nice too. Oh they're, yeah. Their splash screen when you load the game is a their their company's logo is a gorilla, mm-hmm. and uh, it has a it's listening to headphones or it's telling you to listen to headphones, and it's really a soothing game. I actually downloaded this at 2.30 in the morning and played for half an hour. <laughs> of course, there's a reason that they call it Color Zen, because they want you to just chill out. And... Yeah, it's, it's a nice game to chill out to. Mm-hmm. But I think I've, I found my new default, um, you know, I'm sitting there, got nothing better to do, waiting for something to happen game. Yeah, yeah, same. Ryan just let me mess with it a little bit on his phone, and act, or at least his Nexus 4, and actually that was, I can see how that could be a really fun puzzle game. I like puzzles. So yeah, you've got your iPod. You can go check it out on there. Or I have my phone. Oh yeah, Thunderbolt, which you can't use as a phone yet. 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 I might be getting a little thing to hold me over in the meantime. One of my parents' old phones. Oh. So my mom had recently got an iPhone, and don't tell my dad this, but we're going to be getting it. Or she actually ordered one for him too, because he just ends up stealing it and playing all the games and. So she's getting him one of his own so that she doesn't have to give up her phone anymore. Make sure that everybody downloads the uh, Hangouts app. Uh, of course. Of course. Of course. So, Ian. Yes. Dishonored, uh, Brigmore Witches. That came out this summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we both played through it. Well, I didn't get all the way through it. I couldn't get all oh, the way How far are you? Um, I just finished the first chapter. Okay. Out I, of three, I believe, again. Okay. And I, I would have loved to have gotten farther, but it was yesterday 
after I moved in when I was planning on doing it and I got, I got caught up in searching for my keys, which took away all my time so that I didn't even get to practice for my audition on Sunday. Oh, oh wow. Um, plus finding articles and whatnot, but got through at least the first chapter and that was fun. Um, so of course, the Brigmore Witches continues the story that was started in uh, the Knife of Dunwall DLC, oh, where you are, yep, you're playing as Dowd, the uh, the assassin who killed the Empress. And I was really confused at the end of Ni- uh, Knife of Dunwall because I didn't know that they were coming out with another DLC, and they left us kind of on a cliffhanger, and you hadn't even like fought the main pro- antagonist yet. And I was like, "What's going on here?" Terira. This is terrible. Um, that bitch, Darira. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she's not a nice person. I think she was and driving a red minivan today with Wisconsin plates, which none of you guys get. Sorry, I have no idea what you're referring to at all. <laughs> we'll talk afterwards in the fringe. Great. Yes, making vague references to things that our listeners don't understand, and then telling them that we're going to talk about it on the fringe, but we're going to forget by the time we get to the fringe. Of course. And of I mean, course. you guys don't even know what the hell I'm referring to because it's something that happened today nope. with my family. <laughs> So um, this DLC, um, Delilah, she uh, she's a witch, and uh, so she's she's another character who has been uh, given powers by the outsider, just like uh, Corvo and Dowd, um, and just like Dowd, she has shared her powers with uh, her followers. And you probably haven't encountered any of her followers yet because you only cha- finished the first chapter, right? Yeah, I'm onto the one where I'm I'm in the place that used to be all uptowny and fanciful and now it's just being there's a war between two gangs uh two street gangs okay yeah um towards the end of that chapter you'll encounter a few of them and it's very interesting going up against enemies who can teleport just like you can and uh you know stopping time is really like one of the only valid um strategies that works every single time against them so i didn't um, do that at all with the with the opening fight that's all I'm going to say about that one. Oh, that, yes. I was really confused by the opening fight until it finished. Because he, he ends up getting you, yes? Uh, you get him. I'm trying to remember. I got him. Okay. I won. That's not how it goes in the game, though, in the main game. <laughs> That's because it was just a dream. Uh, Didn't you notice that? No. Oh, my goodness. I'm a dummy. You are a dummy. He had just uh, face desk. <laughs> when um, when a hand doesn't do it, there's always a desk. Desk. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this it, the this DLC once again three chapters. It took me uh, about um, what was it five hours to play through it, I guess. Um, so for ten dollars, that's a pretty good deal. Um, and obviously, the these chapters um, have quite a bit of content that you can that you can explore and go find. Um, which is really cool, and new enemy types, you know. Um, and also, I was really, really, really satisfied with the way that um, it allowed us to, you know, get more insight into the character of Doubt because, um, you know, in the in the core game, you you fight him, and then uh, he captures you later, and then you fight him again, and uh, it really kind of made me think more about the decisions that I had made in the core game. Hmm. It's one of those things where um, 
there's so many different sides to a story that you can't necessarily just pick one and then go with it. Like if, um, really good example of this is if, uh, do, okay. Are either of you guys familiar with the story of Wicked? No. Uh, oh, oh, the, the musical, the musical, the book, it started out as a book. I believe that it went to a musical. How do you not know? No, Wicked? I know what it is. I know it's, it's no, it's about people, the wicked too. witches, like before they became okay, yeah. wicked witches. That's that's all I know about it. And they weren't even necessarily the wicked witches. They were just misunderstood and kind of but cast that's out by society. But we that's what we call them. Wicked witches. Because wicked witches. Wicked witches. Because the way that the way that we were originally that they were originally portrayed to us in the original Wizard of Oz was these wicked these wicked sisters that were after Dorothy. But if, um, once you read Oz, or not Oz, once you read Wicked or see the movie, or not the movie, sorry, the musical, um, you realize that that's not necessarily the case. They're not necessarily wicked. It's just they were different and everything that they did got misunderstood to the point where they were labeled as wicked. So with every coin, there's always two sides. There's always two so, sides or more to the story. It's like a D20. Kind of, kind of makes you wonder, uh, what, else there is to Delilah's story. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that'd be a good DLC. I feel like we're going down a rabbit hole, though, that uh, is never going to end if we let it continue. Yeah. Eh. Oh, well. Anyway, so yeah, highly recommend. Um, if you'd like to dishonor it at all, go and play The Knife of Dunwall and The Brigmore Witches. Do it. So that's it for reviews. Um, there are a couple of well, there's only one new release that's coming out this week that's a major release, and that, of course, is Total War Rome 2. It's launching on September 3rd for $60. <laughs> okay. I'll probably find somebody who buys it and plays it, and we'll have them on the show next weekend. Yep, you or me. Yep. Ooh, I wonder if Tyler... We'll have to ask them. We'll, have, we'll, we'll ask later. Them. Yep. Later. So thanks for joining us again for 8-Bit. This is Ian Buck. I'm Ian Decker. And I'm Brian Mitchell. Thanks for joining us. Well, there you go. So I got wonderful parts. Absolutely. Yeah. Ian has wonderful parts. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> They're good and shiny. Um, Hold on. Let me get some lubrication. You got to yell at lubrication now. Cheers! Lubrication! Lubrication! <laughs>